inside your computer? Hi, everyone. It's me, Josh, inside your computer on Get Up with Josh Doey, episode 8. 18. Um, and this is what's going on inside the world today. I don't know anything except for what's going on in my world. I don't know what's going on in your world. How about you let me know? Just kidding. I can't hear you. But if you did talk to the TV, that would be kind of interesting for us to like create some sort of like a like a Dora the Explorer type experience where like I'll say a few things and you say things back to me and then I'll pretend like I've heard you. Um, and sometimes my ADHD leads me to have conversations actually like that where I'll say things and then I'll, I'll be like, damn, there is a lot of monkeys going on in my brain right now. And then, and then, and then you will say things as I'm paying more attention to the monkeys inside my brain. And then I'll go, okay, how do I pretend that I've heard all of this? You know, do, do, do you guys ever just get like so distracted inside your own head that you can't hear? I do. Like, I, I, I think that's something that I get from my dad because I remember when I was a kid and if he was ever watching hockey, I would try and say things to him like, hey, dad, I poop my pants. And then and then he would just be watching hockey and be so zoned in that he couldn't hear me. Like you would you would like and there would be nothing. He's so zoned in on the hockey on the ice. On the, on the slappers on the ice, you know? On the big time, big beefy, burly boys slapping around on, on the ice stands and trying to get that puck inside the net. And I think that's definitely a gene that was passed down to me, <laughs> if you believe in evolution. <laughs> Shout out Charles Darwin. What up, what up, what up? Um, and I think that's a symptom of like ADD or ADHD or something, I think. But yeah, sometimes like the thoughts or the focus gets so loud that like I can't, hear other things like say I'm on my phone doing doing an Instagram and then someone you know tries to get my attention or I'm trying to hold a conversation with someone and I'm sucked into the pocket trap I can't hear them I, I, I literally just have to do one thing at a time okay and, and I've, I've started just saying that I actually got that from my friend Jason Paul um, because when we were in Spain and there would be too much going on, too many people demanding his attention. He would just go one thing at a time, please. And I've I've picked that up, and it works. Like I love that because, yeah, I think this this is just me, but also this is probably humans, um, because I I have read somewhere, probably um I, th I think it's a book called The Distracted Mind, that humans can't actually mentally multitask. We are single track minded and then we are capable of like task switching quickly but that's pretty demanding on our heads but but bottom line is that we can't actually have multiple processes going on in our head all we can do is like focus on one and then switch and then switch and then switch and then switch um and maybe there's like some faulty computing in my head. Maybe, maybe when, when, when the Jesus was inside of my brain, you know, soldering all of the, the little, the chemicals and, and, and the robot wires in my head, he was like, sugar, spice, everything nice. Oh no, chemical X has corroded his, his focus using faculties. And now we can only hyper-focus. And that's ADHD for ya. <laughs> and, and, and why did I even get there? Because I was thinking about us going on a, a Dora the Explorer-like adventure. Like, I go, hey, who, 
who hid the spoons? And you know who hid the spoons. It was it was the clever fox. But I didn't see him. He was probably running around behind me. And I'm just sitting here like, damn, I, I really like a spoon. Where's my spoon? Tell me where the spoon is. And then and then you would shout it at me, and then I wouldn't hear you. But I will carry on as if as if I definitely have. That's that. So what's been going on these days? Back into stand-up. I think last week I told you guys that I I had finally grown the balls to get back on stage, which was like fucking cool. And then um, this week they decided to put me on the Wednesday show, which is called the Wednesday Workout, run by Rossum Comedy. Run by Rossum Comedy. And and what that is is um, it's an amateur comic event where they take eight comics. And you have to bring three minutes of untested material. You can't have done it anywhere else. You can't have, you know, I mean, I guess you could, you could have tested it on your friends. Maybe. I did that. It's not cheating. Um, and you have to go up on stage and try it out. And then there's two judges. They give you scores and also um, say things to you, mean but funny things. Um, and they also give you some really constructive criticism. So it's like, I think it's really dope that an event like that is being run. Shout out Susie. Um, because it's a really good way to help foster new talent in the, the comic community, in the, the comedy, comedy immunity, comedy immunity. On, on Turtle Drama Island, if you complete the challenge, you get comedy immunity. You get put into a community and you all have to tell each other jokes. But... Um, yeah, that was last night. Today is Thursday. Yesterday is Wednesday, of course. If your weeks are structured in normal sense, I, I know it's 2020 and everything's all kind of crazy. Um, but that was dope. I did a bunch of material on Tinder. And uh, I just thought, you know, fuck it. One of the biggest things going on in my life, one of the biggest time wasters, one of the things that gets my attention the most right now, Tinder. So I wrote a bunch of material about it and I have resolved to stick to the script when I go up on stage because before COVID, when I was still doing stand-up or when I was starting up, starting out stand-up, I would have written material to take up on stage and they would maybe be jokes, but I would, I would show up and I'd be in the audience and I would watch other people like being actually funny because I wasn't funny back then. Still, I'm not that funny, but I can tell jokes now. But back then, I would watch people tell these jokes and I would just be like, ooh, I don't think I brought anything funny. So I would like in a panic just be like, oh shit, I gotta write all these jokes. I gotta get all these jokes ready. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make, all, make myself a whole new set and then they bring it up on stage and then it fucking eats shit. <laughs> it's just, just the most not good things and and i think i only did it because i was like ah um i have no faith in the material that i've written even though it's probably a sense better chance and anything i write right now is probably going to be a lot better which is wrong because like when you're when you write when you write stand-up comedy you think everything's funny and and you're, you're just like yeah you know what i take it on stage and and a comedy club people are are there to laugh and and they're gonna laugh super easy because because they want to laugh and and if you just say stuff in a certain way slowly and put a a little punch on the end they'll laugh at anything and then and then it, it doesn't work like that it takes actual funny things to make people laugh 
What? What? People, not, not everyone laughs out of awkwardness. Now I do. I love awkwardness. I, I will laugh at singular words. Like if you, say a, if you say a certain word a certain way, you got me. I'm, I'm an easy laugh. And also like maybe also because social situations and being face to face with people makes me so tense that it's like I'm like a tube of toothpaste and, and, the, and you squeeze me and, and, and the toothpaste is, is laughter or words. That's the tension. Like, like I, I'm so tense, I'm squeezing myself, and then what comes out is words. And I just, and you can't put the toothpaste back, and you also can't take words back. So, um, what did we learn today? Is that words are like toothpaste. Brush your teeth with them. I don't know what that means. Okay, but um, yeah. So that's how that used to go. Is I used to like I used to bring material to the comedy nights, and then I'll just be like, yeah, fuck it, let's just do some new stuff. And then I'll take it up on stage and just eat shit, and like. That's, that's freaky. That's freaky. And, you know, probably for the first little bit of these podcast episodes, you'll probably hear me talking about eating shit a lot because that's just like what you do in comedy. It's kind of like parkour. Like, I'm sure a lot of these people, a lot of, these, a lot of you people, you people, a lot of you people who have been listening um, understand that I, you know, do parkour uh, or maybe you do parkour yourself. And it's kind of similar to comedy in the sense that like, you learn shit by by eating shit, and like like the harder you eat shit, the more you learn. Like I am dope at backflips, and that's that's not even like me being like oh, I'm pretty fucking dope at backflips, but like no, I've like eaten a lot of shit doing backflips. I've had some like raunchy backflip bails where I just like suitcase or scorpion or whatever. Like I remember my first time I ever learned how to do a backflip. I was so stoked on it. And then my friend Riley, he was like, yo, okay, so here's a test to like really solidify how to do a backflip in your head. You're gonna, you're gonna jump up three times and then on the fourth jump, you're gonna do a backflip. And I was like, I like that. I want backflips forever. I want my backflips to be dope as shit. So I was like, jump up once. Okay, we're doing great. Jump up, jumping up vertical, easy as shit. You know, it's my first year doing parkour. Of course I could do a vertical jump, but whatever. So I jump up. And I jump up again, and I jump up again, and then I'm like, ooh, maybe this is not a good idea, because you're going jump, jump, jump. And then on the last one, I just jumped straight up, feet went up, and I did not initiate my rotation very well. And I just like landed on my neck, and that was it for backflips for a while. I was just like, when, when you have a raunchy enough bail, you're like, you start second guessing the trick, and then eventually you may just lose the trick. Like, if you have a bad enough bail that makes you lose enough confidence to just be like, you know, maybe this trick is not so much of a good idea. Then you're, uh, then, then you, that's like a scar. It's like a scar. And it takes time to heal. But then if you keep at it later, <laughs> it might be better. But I guess if we're following the scar analogy, you, you got to give it time to, like, heal. But then after you get dope, you get you get dope little marks. Look at my abs, everyone! No, I'm just kidding, but like, look. See these scars? Dope as shit. Dope as shit. I'm trying to like follow it on the TV. Yeah. See, those are cool. So, I am my scars! Um, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is you give it time to heal and then you go for it again and you're a little tougher. And then and then the next time that you learn that trick, it's it's a little bit better. You're, you're a little bit more confident doing it. Like I remember I had to 
learn I had to relearn backflips like four or five times just because of like raunchy bails or like I would just get too afraid and then not practice them for a while and then they're just gone because they don't stick around you have to like kind of maintain it like a lot a lot of tricks in parkour especially early on in your training career when you you haven't fully developed that aerial awareness that proprioception um a lot of those tricks it's, it's kind of like having a like a dozen spinning plates and and all you have to do is make sure that they stay rotating you know you check up on your front flip like oh, okay I'll, I'll work i'll do i'll do 100 front flips today and then you keep that plate spinning and then and then there's and then damn, I gotta work on my backflips today. So you keep that plate spinning. And eventually, um, you're like one of those globe trotters. I'm changing analogies right now, where you have like eight basketballs spinning on you. And then you're just like, ah, it is what it is. Like these guys can just spin all by themselves. And eventually you build up your own spinning apparatus where you don't really have to be touching on the guys anymore. Touching the guys. But um, um, yeah, like like these days, like I do, I do a little bit of maintenance, but a lot of the stuff just kind of sticks around. Unless you take like a six month to a year break, then like, then you got to start amping yourself up to do the basic flips. And that's like, that's when you know, it's like, damn, I gotta, I gotta get back into like really working on my shit again. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh fuck, I really got to check myself to work on this backflip. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, you eat shit to get better at stuff. And, and, and I'm kind of beginning that process with comedy now. And parkour is kind of, a really lucky journey because it's a journey of, of resilience and it teaches you how to overcome overcome obstacles and, and you can treat any obstacle like an opportunity because because that's what parkour teaches us. And then what I'm trying to say is that that journey through parkour has kind of given me a model for similar disciplines. And now when I go into comedy, I'm like, oh, I know this journey. Like, <coughs> COVID. Um, sure, like, Sure, the journey is gonna look different. You know, you're going on stage and telling jokes and stuff, but at the end of the day, both parkour and comedy are about first and foremost confronting your fears, uh, and then secondly, practice and progression and community, and and then with all those things in hand, you you keep at it. You're always trying to improve every single time. You know, you're learning from your mistakes. Like for example, like. Um, my performance last night, I was a little too anxious about it. Like, I don't know why I ever do that, but I, bu I built it up in my head where I was like, oh, oh, I'm testing th three new minutes of material. It's going to be so scary. And then, and then I got on stage and I was just like full of all of that, that energy that I had built up towards that. And then I, I did this thing um, that I call hyperspeed where I got on stage and I just fucking up and my my I just just rapid fire words <laughs> and you can't do that in comedy because you got to give people time to think about what you're saying like of course I don't really have to think about what I'm saying I can just say things really fast and blah 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 but but, but if you want to get a reaction out of people you got to let them follow along because you are painting a picture with your words like the stage is a canvas and then every word that you speak is like a brushstroke building a picture for the audience and if you're going too fast and you're and you're painting a crane but then all of a sudden you change your mind and then and then all of a sudden it's a bulldozer and then and then you and then you break the crane's neck inside the bulldozer and then and then splay it across the top and then and then and then and then a frog is all of a sudden jumping across like a lot of people get lost by that i wouldn't i think i don't know <laughs> maybe i just think faster than a normal person but like 
you have to speak in a way that allows people to paint a picture inside of their mind of what's going on because you could go up there and say anything and you know exactly what it means but they don't because they are hanging on to your every word you are the sole performer there is nothing else supporting your performance except for your words so you get up there and shit the words better be clear and so for me there's two things that kind of muddy up the picture um, one is when I go hyperspeed, and I also have that issue when I, when I do auditions. But the other thing that muddies up the picture that I do, especially when I'm nervous, is I laugh at my own jokes. Bruh. Like, um, some of my favorite comedians laugh at their own jokes, but definitely not too much. Like, you can tell when I go up on stage that, like, I'm, I'm laughing, not because I think my jokes are, like, the dopest shit, but because I'm just like, oh, this is fucking awkward. Um, I love awkward situations. Um, but it's just, yeah. So that, those, those are two things that I'm kind of learning from. And then hopefully when I go up on stage next week, if I get some stage time, I got to apply tomorrow to see if I can get back up on stage. Really hoping that they'll put me into the Thursday because getting another three minutes of material together ah uh, you know but still cool like it is cool to be pushed this much early on in my career because it's a lot of pressure to put together three minutes of new shit like for this current one or for the, for the last one that i did last night i was able to lean on a lot of the material that i had written about tinder a lot of the best jokes were like things that i'd written recently but there was a like a there, there was a bulk of material that i was able to dive into um, that I had written because I've been writing for stand-up comedy for about a year now and it's taken me that long to get to like the funny <laughs> you know when you start writing stand-up comedy you're like you're like um I'm just gonna start with some interesting thoughts and maybe people will find them funny and then it's like no no but but now when I'm writing things like of course I'll sit down in a cafe and I'll just like start writing because that's what you're supposed to do as a writer like you don't wait for the words to come because they may never but if you start greasing the wheels on, on the machine by getting it moving yourself then the funny might start coming but you got to get the pen moving so you know i'll start writing maybe i'll write about how i feel about something or I'll, I'll make an observation or 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 you know i will have an interesting thought but nowadays when i'm writing thoughts will start coming to me in comedic structure it's fucking cool set up punchline awesome like for example there, there was a joke there was a few jokes i told last night where i got a laugh from the whole room what fucking cool because when i was ditching all my material and then going up on stage and then and then fucking bombing no one's laughing or anything and it's an empty room and no one even cares about anything i'm saying but now i get up on stage and i get the reaction at least three times one like one laugh per minute of course it could be higher but fucking cool that's progress awesome like one of the jokes i told last night was um a lot of, a lot of girl a lot of girls on on tinder like to put in their bio that they want to be taken on adventures and and i think the guys and girls have a very different idea of what an adventure is like i think girls want to be like taken on hikes and stuff when they say adventures and then i think guys are just thinking like anal and then that got a laugh. I didn't even tell like that on stage. Like I actually did a good job of it. But like there were three definite laughs. It was fucking wow. And then and then you go, you know, you you, you finish your material and then you, you get some awesome or maybe not awesome criticisms from the judges. 
um, you know, they'll they'll throw some insults at you to kind of, you know, you got to toughen up because the, the whole culture in comedy is like, yeah, you got to be tough. You got to be got to be willing to eat shit and and have people say mean things to you. And and by the time you put in 20 years, you're not going to be so thrilled on this. But like. Maybe, <laughs> but right now I'm just full of energy and love and life. And I think um, this is like a classic, like oh, I'm special, but like I think. I could put in 20 years on this and still be just as stoked. Like, I don't think you have to be jaded to be a good comic. I don't think you have to be jaded to be a good anything. Like, like why, why do people preach that when you become experienced at something, you have to be jaded about it? Like, I don't think I've gotten that with parkour. I've put in 10 years doing parkour, which is like a lot considering how young the sport is and like, you know what it takes to be good at it and then blah 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 but but i wouldn't say i'm jaded by, by it i'm fucking stoked on it i love seeing people train i love training myself like i think i could get that with comedy too or maybe maybe it's maybe it's different you know maybe you do enough shitty gigs you know you you're in the basement of the cheese factory and oh it sticks like cheese and there's rats everywhere and i'm performing for three people and one of them's my mom and then and then she picked up a rat off the floor and ate it and i'm like ah shit this is such a nightmare maybe you do enough of those and you're just like yeah tell jokes so uh but for now i'm like huh oh shit this is so scary i like to go up on stage and and try and make people laugh and 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 that's where it's at yeah huh what else is going on huh what else what else what else i was thinking a lot about um technology what a vague thing to say. Like, you can, like, technically technology is, like, anything, you know? We engineer things, and, but, what am I saying? But when I'm talking technology, I mean, like, the computers and the things that go beep, beep, boop, boop. What got me thinking about that was, like, the iPhone 10. Right? Uh-huh. Oh, you can see the lights. Uh-oh. Piercing the veil. Don't do that. Um, but to... Okay, so you pick up your phone, and to check your phone, the iPhone 10, you tap the screen. And now, on the older models of the iPhone, I don't know if you know this, but you hit the shutter button, or you hit the home button, and that's how it opens up. But there's no home button on this. There is, like, a shutter button. But I've gotten used to just, like tapping things and I've noticed that I've started doing that with like my laptop and books like I'll go to like I'll go to pick up a book and I'll like just like tap it right on the cover like what I've been I've been so habituated by my phone that whenever I pick up anything that's like vaguely rectangular shaped I have to just like oh yeah <laughs> I'm laughing at my own jokes again, so I guess that's what I want you guys to do. But I even do that with my laptop. Like, when it's closed and I want to pick it up to, like, do stuff with it, I'll just... Shit, right. And I pick it up and then go about my business. And that, that got me thinking, what other areas has technology habituated me into a pattern of, of motion or a pattern of thinking? And I, I got to thinking about the AirPods. The AirPods are the fucking dopest shit ever like let's talk about airpods for a sec like i i have the airpod pros but i was a big time fan of the, the original airpods as well because like how fucking cool is that you don't have to have a cord or anything like ugh. now nowadays when i see like corded headphones and stuff i'm like how, 
how do you do that, dude? It's like, it's so convenient. You just like take your little thing, you pop them out, put them in your ear, listen to your music, and then when it's time to go, you put them back in. Or you just, and then, and then you can just walk around and you just got a couple earrings in your ears. Uh-huh, fucking cool. And then the AirPod Pros came along. Bruh. So my mom had bought some AirPods, AirPod Pros, and they're super faulty. And I went and visited her and she was saying that like, she was really frustrated with these AirPod Pros because they weren't working. And so I was like, if I get these fixed, because she didn't want to do it. You know, she's got a lot of shit going on, being a mom. Um, I was like, if I could get these fixed, can I have these? And she was like, yeah. I was like, awesome. And then and then I put in the work and got them fixed, which took a long time. Like, a faulty AirPod can take a long time to fix. Like, I sent it, I sent the AirPods over to the to the dudes and they brought it back. And then it still didn't work, and I took it for a genius appointment. It still didn't work, and then finally they figured out the issue, which was like really fucking frustrating. And then the AirPod Pro experience began, bro. Noise canceling, nut. What the fuck, dude? How have I been missing out on this my whole life? Like when I'm on the bus or the train, like public transit is loud as fuck. You put on the noise canceling mode and you just get put in your zone. I dig that shit, man. Like, just all like, oh my god, the SkyTrain in Vancouver, our subway system. It's so loud. You go through a tunnel and it's like, and and I'm sitting there and I'm like, this can't be good for my hearing. So I put in the AirPod Pros and listen to my podcast, listen to you know whatever comedian. Or an audiobook, maybe, even though audiobooks have not been that interesting for me recently. But I just listened to my homies, and then fucking no hearing damage. That's a life hack, bro. But you get used to, to the luxury of having those AirPods in, and then, and then you start doing stupid shit. Like, even when I don't wear AirPods, and someone talks to me, every once in a while I want to reach up, and then, and then put turn off the noise canceling mode. Like someone will like talk to me, I'll, right. And it hasn't happened a lot recently because I realized how stupid that behavior was. But sometimes, bro, sometimes, sometimes like back when I was getting started in my AirPod Pro journey, I was like, oh yeah, shit. <laughs> and that is really the extent of all I had to talk about with the technology. But I just keep, I just keep the tap running. And what else is there to talk about? Maybe I'll cut to a commercial break. This is a reminder to drink water. I like I like a little reminder to drink water here and there because hydration is fucking important. Your whole body fucking runs on it. And like I've set up this thing inside my head where if I see anything wet, porn included, I see the ocean. I see anything. It's raining outside. Anything that reminds me of water is like a reminder to stay hydrated. And so if you want a cool little habit, take that. Take it and fucking run. Um, but I've, I've, been, I've been spending some time thinking about like my habits and stuff. I spent a lot of time examining myself and my habits and, like, and, and what, what, it, what is working and what is not. And one thing that I've kind of decided is like, I think I'm just over alcohol, dude. Now this could be complete placebo, but like after, like the day after I drink any alcohol, even one drink, 
I feel like I'm working at half capacity the next day. What the fuck? Like, ugh, what? I can't, I can't even enjoy one drink without just waking up the next day and being like, ugh, shit. It's really hard to believe in myself today. And, and you know what? I want to eat shitty food. And then you eat shitty food to deal with how shitty you feel. And then the shitty food makes you feel even shittier. And then it just puts you, it, it, it takes the whole day. And if the day was a big piece of paper, it crumples it up and fucking throws it away. Ah, I don't like that. Ew, I don't want that ever. Like I, sometimes I think I can give myself a second chance when I, when I, when I hang out with my friends, we go to the beach or something, go hang out in a park, um, just like have one drink. And, and it never works. I, it, it, I, I can't fucking have drinks anymore. Is that part of being an adult? Like, I remember when I was a kid, I could drink like 12 beers, wake up the next day and be like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm ready to take on the world. But like, I feel like I'm becoming more sensitive to how my body works. And part of this journey and this journey into adulthood is like figuring out, I guess this is a part of figuring out who I am. And like, as much as I want to be like a fun alcohol guy, I just don't think it's going to happen. But like, you try and justify it and you tell other people like, yeah, you know, I have one beer and then I feel bad the next day. And they're like, that's not pot. Like, what is it a hangover? No, you don't get a hangover from one beer. I'm like, I think I do. I think I think I still do feel it. And and me being the puppy dog human that I am, like I in a lot of ways, I'm a very individualistic and, and original person, but there's so many ways where I'm just a fucking follower, dude. Like, um, I was on set last weekend for a short film that my friend was doing um, for Street Fighter. He was doing like a Street Fighter fan film with a bunch of the other people in the stunt community, and it looks dope as shit. Like, amazing. Like, everyone did really fantastic work, and I got to come on set and be an extra. Um, with my friend Dan, and being on set, I was so fucking happy to have my friend Dan with me because when you're an extra, it's kind of just like you are a very small human. And <laughs> like, um, being an actor now, I feel it's tough for me to to be background again. Like I've done background. I did it a few times when I was living in Calgary. But now when I do background, I'm like, it feels like a huge step down for me because I've been really trying to establish myself as an actor. And then, you know, when you get on set and you make connections with people because there's a lot of downtime, you know, you're going to go hang out at the massage table and like at the stretching area, which was like something they had on set. Fucking cool. Awesome. Do that more people. But, you know, there's a lot of hanging out and talking to people and establishing yourself with them. And if you're an extra, of course, people are going to be asking you like, yeah, like how long you been extra, been an extra? And you're like, oh, well, well, actually, I'm an actor, but, but I'm, you know, I'm just, and uh, it just doesn't feel great to be that on set. But what really drives home the feeling of being an extra is like, it's not when people forget your name or call you by, you know, um, the role that you're playing, you know, like human lizard or whatever. It's it's when other people stand up for you be, for other people forgetting your name. They're like, hey, 
he has a freaking name, mister. <laughs> it's just, it really drives home the fact that like, oh shit, really low status on this set. But like, you know, it's not all about status. It's really good to be making connections and stuff. Um, but while I was on set, I found myself taking a lot of notes from people. Like, sometimes you just forget how to human and then you see other people humaning better than you. And you're like, you know, I'm going to try humaning that way. Like, because this film was run by a lot of people in the stunt community, there's a lot of people who, between shots, would just, like, go into, like, a squat position or or stretch their body out or whatever. I was like, oh, you can live like that? I'm going to do that. And that's, like, a lesser example. But there would even be times where people would be, like, standing a certain way, and I'd be like, you know, I want to stand like that. And is that... What is that? You know, is that me not being confident in the way that I'm living? Or is that like, is that better individuality because I'm realizing better what I want in each moment? Or do I just want something because I see someone else has it? That could be possible. Like, I remember when I was very young and then my brother would get birthday presents or I would get birthday presents. The other person would get jealous. And and it was tough to see the other person getting presents and then you don't get any what the frick <laughs> i remember um <laughs> when my brother when either brother would get birthday presents the other brother would have to get one present just to just be like bro like chill out <laughs> and and i think maybe that behavior just kind of like leaked into me being an adult and being and seeing other people like you know getting their equivalent of presents or even just like doing their shit and me being like that seems better than whatever i'm doing right now I should do that. Like, um, Jovi just released his his um, third clothing line through Grins. Check it out. I'm wearing it right now. Find it at Grins. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You can also see some, some stickers. There's this one. And this one. And this one. Oh, this one's my favorite. This guy here. Wow. So sick. You can find that. At the frickin' Grins, follow Grins brand on Instagram. But um, another example of that, that puppy dog behavior was he'd come out with advertisements to advertise his shit and, and things are doing really well on his social media and things like that. And I was like, I was watching him do that and I was like, maybe I should advertise something. Like, instead of just being like, no, no, I'm doing great. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm working on a podcast right now. There's a short film idea that I'm working on with my brother. Like, I'm exercising daily. I'm doing stand-up comedy. I'm working on my acting. I've got auditions weekly. Like, I've got an acting class that I do. I was still like, maybe I should be doing that instead. <laughs> like, it's really hard for me to watch other people doing shit and not be like, I should do that. It's hard to remember that like, no, no, you got your own shit going on. Keep going with that because you will have your own time in the sun. Like maybe one day there will be something I need to advertise, but right now, don't do that. <laughs> it's not your time. That's, that's a, that's, that can be a tough realization sometimes. Like um, seeing other friends doing shit or succeeding, it can, it can, it can be like, damn, what am I doing? But if you're if you are doing shit, I guess just like have confidence with it and like keep going because you'll get your time in the sun too or you won't.
but that's that's how it works you just put in the work and then maybe something happens maybe it doesn't and that's that's what being an artist is like you know some people they catch a wave and they they get to ride that wave and sometimes you you just wait you're waiting around you know but you know you can also make it more likely for you to be catching those waves you can put yourself in the right place you can have the right equipment these are all metaphors or whatever but there there is a lot you can do to be you know putting yourself in the position that one day you can be riding a wave so it's not all luck i guess is what i'm trying to say and why did i start talking on this tangent i don't know but if you guys ever thought about who invented the tambourine like a person who just like saw an entire drum set and was like let's just take all the components from that and put it in one instrument like you think of a tambourine and like it's a percussion instrument because you like you hit it i think it's what a percussion is like cushion I feel like cushion's like a Roman word for impact or something like concussion, percussion. Is there any other cushion words? I don't know. I don't know the words. Me neither. Okay, well, <laughs> only those two words are the ones that we can think of right now. But um, the man who made the tambourine, he saw the drum set and he was like, I want to put that all in one piece. So he made like a round thing that you can hit, and then he put the symbols of the drum set all around the side. That's not a very diverse instrument. It makes one sound, maybe two. You can shake it, and shake, 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 but then you can also hit it. And that's what I had to say about the tambourine, I suppose. <laughs> is there anything else that's been going on? I don't know. Not a whole lot of steam going on today. I'm hot inside the sweater, so maybe that's where the steam went. But, um, you know, sometimes the tap doesn't flow as crazy as it should. Or, or, or maybe I could just be paying more attention to the thoughts that are going on in my head right now. You know? Maybe I could just be, like, looking up at, at, at the, the artwork on my wall. Talk about what's going on with that. Think, think about how thirsty you are. Or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I think I'll call it there. Because um, I think that was a good amount. 10 hours of podcasting? No way, dude. You can do it all by yourself? You just sit there and talk for the whole time? Yeah. But if you just talk about current events that are happening in your life, eventually you're going to run out of shit to say. And that's what I guess I guess that's when I can start like improvising. Like maybe I'll do that next episode. <laughs> okay. Um a little it's a little bit late to be starting. Well, we could imagine the tambourine guy. Huh? Yeah, we'll just we'll just ah, we'll just end it here. But um, yeah, Jovi and I have been working on a parkour video as well. So um, look out for that coming in the future. We're hoping to make like a two two and a half minute thing. Uh, we're, we've already started collecting clips. Shit's looking dope. Very creative movements going on. Um, and uh, yeah, make sure to check out the uh, Grins World Three release. Pretty fucking cool. Um, what's going on with me? Catch me on the weekly at the Keto Caveman Cafe uh, if I get a spot. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Thanks for watching. And um, text, not your ex-girlfriend. Bye.